Rap and hip-hop music got its start in the early 1970s in New York City. Angry and disenfranchised youth used the slowly growing genre to vocalize their frustrations about the social, political, and economic climates of that time. Block parties often sprung up around the Bronx and neighboring areas with heavy percussive beats, vibrant turntable tricks, and lyrical spoken word verses in the foreground of the music. Hip-hop quickly became a force in the music industry through the 80s and 90s with megastars, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, MC Hammer, and Vanilla Ice being some of the first rappers to arrive during those initial years. But also bounding from the explosion that threw rap music into the world, from the primordial ooze that shaped itself into hip-hop, came one rapper you probably never heard of. One who took the Midwest by storm with his catchy beats, quirky rhymes full of heart, philosophy and innuendo, and his dreamy bass lines. A little-known rhymologist named Lakeshore Lover. I'm Megan Moore, and this is Lakeshore Lover, a rap retrospective. In this podcast, you'll learn the origins of Lakeshore Lover, how he burst onto the rap scene, his early, middle, middle later, and later life, see what songs made him who he was, and the rhymes that solidified Lakeshore Lover as a mediocre genius of the English language. You'll discover lost songs, performances, and lyrics that never made it to the microphone. You'll also discover on this journey through his rap life why some considered him the Play-Doh of rap. And by some, I mean, like, three or four. But probably three. I'm glad you could join me, because I hope by the end of this series you'll truly understand why Lakeshore Lover eventually became Midwest famous. Episode 1, Little Town Called Chicago. Lakeshore Lover, or LSL as he's affectionately known in all the rap circles. Here's a clip from Around the Music from 1995. I don't know what exactly you're looking for, Chaz Ralphie, but there's really not much to tell. I'm boring. I'm probably the most boring guest you've ever had on your show. I'm probably going to be the most boring guest you'll ever have on your show. But if you gotta know, I was born in a small town in Illinois. It's uh, right off the lake. Uh, you probably never heard of it though, uh, Chicago. Maybe that's all you need to know about him. No royal family, no millionaire dad, no expensive education, or education at all that we know of. Just a guy born in Chicago. By all accounts, early interviews of LSL portray him as an everyman rapper who connected instantly with anyone meeting him for the first time. You became his best friend. One of LSL's first best friend was Brad. I managed to speak with Brad about those early days. Here he is talking about he and LSL at a party. It's weird. You couldn't turn away. You'd say, nice to meet you, and he'd immediately start throwing bars your way, freestyling without anyone asking. But that's the thing. You loved it. 
You wanted him to do more. You wanted to be around him all the time just for the chance to hear his genius. Genius is a strong word. Have you met him? I mean, if you met him, then you'd know what I was talking about. Everyone who's met him says the same thing. He's a freaking genius with the English language. I remember this one time at a party. Some dude wasted on Bacardi Breezes and Zima told LSL that he couldn't rap his way out of a Shakespearean sonnet. Which to most of us is a very strange way to insult a rapper. But you know what LSL did? No. What? He rapped his way out of a Shakespearean sonnet. He spent the next two hours rapping in the guy's face about a goddamn sonnet. You know, A-B-A-B and so on shit. Two freaking hours. The drunk passed out three minutes into it, but LSL didn't care. He was out to prove a point. He wasn't going to be no hack. And by golly, he did it. No one insulted him ever again. Lakeshore Lover came up through the rap world before the internet. Getting noticed in the 90s took a lot more work than today, where you can just upload stuff left and right. Within minutes, you have a song online anyone can listen to. But back then, it was all about mailing physical copies of cassette tapes, spending money on envelopes, stamps, bubble wrap, and tape. Oh, and driving to the post office to slip the package into the box or to hand it over to the post office worker. And let's not forget the meal from White Castle on the way back home as a celebration of a job well done from doing all that. Here's a rare clip of LSL getting one of those said meals from White Castle. He had been practicing rhymes into a portable tape recorder and left it on as he entered the fast food joint and went to the counter. Then the dog cries woof and a dog goes woof. Your mom is a woman. I have amorous intentions for let's call her a milk. When we got done, she had me shook, but your mom wanted it again, so I reopened her leg like a reread book. Can I take your order? Sorry, I was just uh, practicing my verbal swordsmanship. Your what? Yes, I mean rapping. <laughs> okay. My name? Oh, glad you asked. My name is Lakeshore Lover. <laughs> I didn't ask. It's real. I'm a rapper. <laughs> am, am I going to make it big? Who knows? Sometimes it's just fun to bust out some rhymes. You know what? I think I will order something uh, while I'm here. Uh, I really crave a case of the castles. Can I, uh, can I get like 30? Let's think about that for a moment. Sometimes it's just fun to bust out some rhymes. Doesn't this make some sort of sense? Do most rappers start up just having fun? Damn, I think that's a superb question. To answer that, we have to take a look at some famous rappers' early works, like LL Cool J's Radio, or Beastie Boy's Brass Monkey, or Young MC's Bust a Move. You have one song in which the lyricist can't live without his radio, one song where a trio can't live without a popular mixed alcoholic drink, and one song in which a dude can't live without dancing. Hold on, are early rap songs about not being able to live without something? Hmm. Gets you thinking, right? Wow. Hey, Francis Allen. I didn't think it was going to be this windy when you guys uh, decided to come out and do a day in the life of Lakeshore Lover. But uh, I guess that's why they call it the Windy City, right? So uh, here we are in front of my favorite music store, uh, which kind of holds a special section of my heart, Francis Allen. Uh, let's go inside, right? 
So the top left of the top half of my heart loves this place. Um, so if you follow me right over here, uh, if you look right on the wall there, uh, that's where I saw my first drum machine. Uh, it was a pretty simple thing, really. It had like 16 buttons, screen. Uh, but for, you know, 1989, it was a technological marvel. Uh, I, I, it was called the Casio Boss, Dr. Rhythm 550. I mean, that's a cool name, right? Cooler than any other, the drum machines of that period. And if you come with me over here, uh, on this wall straight ahead is where the clerk rang me out for it. I mean, I'll never forget anything about that night. I'm pretty sure, you know, his name was Mike or Joe. It was Mike or Joe, maybe a her, it was a her. It's definitely a her. Uh, name was probably Julie or Annabelle. I don't, you know, one of those. But regardless, it was a night to remember for me. I took that Casio drum machine home and I practiced on that thing for weeks. Like then once I figured out how to use my brother's Emerson dual tape stereo system, I'd hook it up to my Casio keyboard uh, with my Casio drum machine and just go to that old town road. Ooh, that's a good title for a song. Uh, hold up a minute. Sorry. I had to write that down before I forgot. Uh, but anyway, I mean, you know how people are obsessed with IBM and some people only buy Nintendo for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that was pretty much me with Casio shit. That was a clip from the 1993 show, Early Beginnings, a cable access show focused on where Midwest rappers got their first starts. He goes on to state that the Casio Dr. Rhythm cost him $250. But within months, it paid for itself. Yeah, I got a gig like three weeks later. Got paid $5. And I figured if I could do a show every night for that amount, I'd have this thing paid for in like another week. Coming up after a brief pause, I realized I did a quick interview of Lakeshore Lover way, way back in the day. Lakeshore Lover. Megan Moore here from the Chicago Fifth Street Times. Can I ask you a question or two? Sure. What's up, Megan Moore? Amazing concert. Loved it. Can you tell me uh, who your influences are? Ooh, that's a great question. You are an awesome journalist, uh, Megan Moore. Man, like everyone else, I grew up, you know, listening to Grandmaster Flash, DJ Cool Herc, but then LL Cool J came out with that banger of a cassette tape, radio. And eventually, I just kind of stuck with those sample guys, right? Uh, like DJ Jazzy Jeff, and Fresh Prince, Mr. Pocket Rocket, Yuri the Strong. But uh, consistently, Megan Moore, I think artists like uh, generic lyricist, Beatdown Club, Beatdown Club number two, I Hate Beatdown Club, and Beatdown Club Retires have influenced me for all of my life. What is it about? Oh, I can't forget about Digital Underground, Whack Hammer. MC Born Again dissing, Young MC, the main chain gang, which had, as you know, MC DJ and DJ MC and Mike Playa as its members. I don't think I know And I know John John, the Bon Bon, would be pissed at me if I didn't give him a shout out. And especially all the artists he influenced, like the Max of Life, MC Buttbender, him and him, 
DJ Freaky Deaky and his hype man Leaky Leaky, Gypsy Queen, and probably the best female rapper of all time, Princess Muffin Shop. I see. There's also DJ Philly Special, Flipmaster Jones, McMore the Megany. And that's the beauty of rap in its heyday, which I personally feel is the time between 1984 and 1995. Silly and outrageous rap monikers, songs about sex and parties and taking meditative journeys within your own mind, and wild personalities. All three describe Lakeshore Lover and his whole thing. And let me tell you a little secret. Throughout this podcast, I was unable to locate LSL. And as I compiled all these old clips and interviews, I thought that you, dear listeners and rap aficionados, would have nothing more to appreciate from the master of English and some Spanish words. It appeared at first as if he disappeared into obscurity. On purpose, as if the Midwest limelight wasn't worth it. Well, I thought I'd save the best tidbit for the end of this first episode. You see, I found LSL. And besides the short clips of his past, you'll also hear LSL as he is now, talking about his rap career through this podcast. But to tide you over until you listen to episode two, here's Lakeshore Lover telling me about the name that made him Midwest famous. And please take note. He continued to call me Megan Moore, first and last name, as he had back in that previous clip. But you'll find out later if he remembered me or not. How did the name Lakeshore Lover come about? A rap name is not something to take lightly, so how did you come up with that amazing nickname? Megan Moore, what a wonderful question. Uh, I have to say that I was literally driving on Lakeshore Drive that's in Chicago, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. And I was listening to Youngtown Lover Squad. I've always liked that word, lover. So I thought to myself, if I were a rapper, what would my name be? It's like if someone told you your rapper name is the name of the last road you drove on and your favorite word. And so Lakeshore Lover was born. Well, conceived, Megan Moore. I was already born. Conceived like... 20 years ago, Lakeshore Lover was born alive in like 1990, so he's really 31. Shit, that doesn't make any sense. I'm 48. That means there's a 17-year difference. Hell, Lakeshore Lover can't even drink yet if he's 17. I think what you mean is that... No, there's no way. Let's forget the numbers for now. Anyway, Megan Moore, you know, you know what I'm saying. You get it. Next time on Lakeshore Lover, a rap retrospective, we talk about the early years of LSL's career in rap and what UPS one-minute video clip challenges and what bubblegum Eurodance has to do with his success in those days. This has been Lakeshore Lover, a rap retrospective, episode one. I'm your host, Megan Moore. Audio engineer and editor is Gregory Thompson. Theme music and other music by... You guessed it, Lakeshore Lover. This has been a production of Wordella. Bonus content. Rap's an amazing medium. Anyone can rap. They just may not know it. Heck, you don't even have to have a beat because you can create the rhythm with your word choice and cadence and rhyme scheme. Here's all you need to know if you want to get started rapping today. Like, you can do this right now. Take how you're feeling, or what you see around you, 
and give it life. Associate it with actions. Throw it into the environment you are in. Make it move around. And keep tabs on these feelings because I guarantee you they'll change as you start spitting words. And this will alter what comes next as you continue rapping. Don't think ahead. Don't take a long time to think about the next word. Write them down. Record them. Don't worry about rhyming because you can always change or add stuff later. Consider this your first draft. Get it down somehow. You'll be surprised what you'll see and what you'll read and what you'll you'll hear yourself rapping. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't rap because you just fucking did it.